You're listening to Solid Sound on Dublin South FM, and joining me online is... Hello, I'm Pexel. I'm a drum and bass jungle producer based in Cambridge. Nice one, man. Nice of you to join us, and I'm uh, looking forward to listening to what tunes you've picked out for us. Yeah, thanks for having us. And so, uh, jungle and drum and bass. This doesn't sound like either jungle or drum and bass. What is this? No, this is uh, Sweet Leaf by Black Sabbath. I picked out quite a wide range of music to play through tonight. This is Black Sabbath and people like Jimi Hendrix and Nirvana are sort of some of the earliest music I got seriously into. I think I was maybe 13 when I first started listening to people like Sabbath. I remember a friend of mine's dad took us to see Motorhead when we were 12 years old and that just sort of completely blew my mind basically and was just, yeah, started digging for more music that was on, along those sort of lines. Your friend's dad took you to see Motorhead when you were 12, that's insane! Yeah, they they played at the, uh, the Corner Exchange in Cambridge and yeah, that was like my first sort of, I think pretty much my first sort of proper experience of live music as well. Wow. That is well cool, man. That is well cool. Yeah. <laughs> I must have blown you away. Yeah, mate, obviously say it made a, made a major impression. Yeah, definitely. You've gone with an interesting track as well, Sweet Leaf, rather than some of the more obvious Black Sabbath tunes, right? Why'd you pick Sweet Leaf? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, there's like, I think the first four Sabbath albums are pretty much untouchable, and I could easily have chosen any track of them. But yeah, this I just love the riff in this one, man. It's so good. And uh, like you say, I think it's there is some more obvious ones. You know, I could have easily gone for War Pigs and Paranoid or something like that. But I think they've kind of all been all been done to death a bit. And as yeah, as as great tunes as they are, I think it's nice to dig a little bit deeper. I always like the changes that you get in tunes, that's what I was listening out for, that was a good change up there, like, you know? Yeah, Sabbath are great at that, they, they've got a tendency to be, like, really moody for the first half, and then they go kind of a bit more groovy and funky later on. You can hear that in loads of their tracks. Tony Iommi's guitar style is kind of what really stood out to me, and it's kind of what got me first wanting to play music, and uh, I ended up picking up a guitar when I was, yeah, 11 or 12 probably, and playing in various bands. Yeah, it just kind of went from there. What I think is interesting about that track, I mean, that came out in 1971, and it's, and it's a veiled reference to cannabis. It's like, oh, we're smoking cannabis, but we can't just say outright we're smoking cannabis. It has to be like, oh, we'll call it Sweet Leaf, and it's like a dog whistle towards stoners, you know? Yeah. Whereas now it's like, you know, look at Cypress Hill for example. Right? <laughs> yeah, we smoke weed, smoke weed, smoke weed, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's funny how times change, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it was cut off at the start there, but on the original recording, there's even like, I think it's a recording of Tony Iommi coughing. It's not a great way to start a radio show, though. Someone coughing. No. <laughs>
so yeah, this track now is uh, Dead Night Warrior by Children of Bodom, who I got into a little bit later than Sabbath, um, probably more when I was 15, 16 sort of thing. I've not really heard any music before that was as heavy as they are, but still had all the sort of melodies and harmonies that you get in sort of traditional heavy metal. Yeah, that kind of uh, really blew me away at the time. Alexei, the front man of Children of Bodom, sadly passed away quite recently. So I've been revisiting, particularly their first few albums were like always really stand out to me. When I listened to this song the first time when I was putting this together, it sounded quite like Metallica. I mean, I like a bit of metal and I know a bit, but Mm-mm. even like listening to this, man, that to me sounds like Metallica, right? Yeah, it's definitely got some of the more like traditional kind of riffs and stuff, but then it's uh, got the more melodic elements like the keyboards and stuff, um, which I yeah I'd not really heard anything like that at the time. Yeah, as a friend of mine at school first showed me them, and like and then yeah ended up going to see them live a few times when I was 14, 15, I think it was. This sort of playing style kind of stuck with me, and ended up you know wanting to do the whole sort of shred guitar thing, which I never never quite got good enough to do, but. But I was, you know, I had a go at it. <laughs> yeah, man. And the style of music is called melodic death metal. I've never heard of that either. Melodic, it sounds like a contradiction in terms of melodic and death metal. Yeah. So I think it, I think melodic death metal was started in Sweden in like the early 90s, sort of mid to early 90s. Bands like In Flames, At The Gates, they started it and I think Children of Bodom came along a little bit later. So I think this was their first album and it came out in 97. And yeah, I think they they kind of made it a, like the earlier bands like At The Gates were sort of more, bit closer to more straightforward death metal. Um, but yeah, these guys sort of really pushed them the melodic side of it. I think I always love about this, and I always think it's amazing, is how quickly we'll go through the tunes, you know? Yeah, <laughs> just ended up chatting about it for non-stop, and uh, there's still more I could say on it, to be honest. Let's, uh, we'll move on to this one, The Coffin Ships by Primordial. They're a band, I discovered them relatively recently, actually. I went to Bloodstock Festival in Derby in the UK in I think it was 2014 that year and I'd not heard of Primordial before and I caught them playing at like I think they played at like three or four in the afternoon and I was just like stood there like pick my jaw up off the floor sort of yeah, it's so good so like the stage presence was fantastic and then yeah got really heavily into them since then
I didn't realise this band are from Scaries in Ireland. Yeah, they are. I think part of why I got into them quite a lot is this. I've uh, found myself listening to a lot of music recently that's got some sort of connection with the history of the place that the people in the band are from. So like, there's various bands from Scandinavia who uh, sing about, you know, sort of paganism and like Norse mythology and that sort of thing. And um, Primordial do that. They, you know, they sing about sort of Irish history, and they they sort of cover other ground as well. Like it's sort of generally about history and uh, sort of religion and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I think this this particular track's uh, about the uh, the famine. Coffin ships would have been the ships that went to America, bringing Irish people, and a lot of them didn't make it. Hence the name Coffin Ship. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's quite an interesting video on YouTube actually with um, the songwriter guitar player from Primordial sort of talking about it. Yeah, there's quite a big chunk of the lyrics in this track that are taken directly from, I think it's like a memorial to the people on those ships. And there's quite a big chunk of the lyrics that are taken from a poem that's written on there. Uh, I think this is a live recording, so not quite the version I meant to send to you, actually. Yeah, it was like 10 minutes long, I had to cut it down a bit as well. Yeah, Primordial are pretty good at doing the sort of the epics like that. Some people get a bit precious, they're like, oh no, you cut it down from 10 minutes to 8, and the last two minutes were the best bits, like, why'd you do that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to justify making a, making a two-hour radio show into 90 minutes, you know? <laughs> I mean, yeah, in an ideal world, I'd have said, let's do that, but, you know, obviously with... Uh, We've both got stuff to do. <laughs> I could, uh, yeah, I could quite easily sit here for two hours and chat. Not many people have got time to listen to that, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, another thing that sort of really caught my ear about these guys is a lot of these bands who do the whole sort of kind of folk or pagan thing or whatever you want to call it tend to add sort of like acoustic instruments and like sort of more folky melodies and it ends up just getting a little bit cheesy sometimes. I think these guys do a particularly good job just with the sort of straightforward heavy metal band layout, like two guitars, bass, vocals and drums. Man, they just sort of still capture the same sort of atmosphere but make it seem a bit more believable maybe.
so the singer in this band actually he does a podcast uh, he was saying these guys are sort of pretty much one of the first metal bands in Ireland that sort of really gained any traction and yeah he says he remembers like he was talking about going to gigs in the mid 80s and that sort of thing and yeah like he'd go and see bands like Megadeth and Creator and like not many people would show up and then yeah and then because there just like wasn't much of a following and it apparently it grew a bit later but they'd often end up getting the ferry over to sort of Leeds and Manchester to go to their heavy metal gigs because there just wasn't really much of it happening in Ireland at the time that's the thing back in the day pre-covid it's as easy to get a Ryanair flight for 20 quid and go to London or go to Amsterdam for the night and just fly back seven in the morning yeah <laughs> Well, we've gone from Irish black metal to Swedish death metal. I mean, you can you can straight away you can hear the difference, can't you? <laughs> what have we got up next? Left Hand Path by Entombed. Here. This is from 1990. This was released. This whole record, Left Hand Path, for me, it's probably my favourite death metal album. And yeah, I think sort of the the Swedish stuff in particular. There's quite a few bands from Sweden around that time, and I think it just had a bit more of an edge than a lot of the stuff that was coming out of America at the time. He had bands like Morbid Angel, Death, Cannibal Corpse, and the Swedish bands, yes, I'm more about sort of occultism and uh, and that sort of thing, it's, which you can see with the name, Left Hand Path. Which is a reference to black magic and black arts and stuff like that, isn't it? More of the darker Satanism stuff. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, sort of rejection of sort of traditional religious ideas and that sort of thing. Another thing that's I really love about this track is the guitar sound. I think when this came out, there hadn't really been a guitar tone like that before, and they got it just from I think it was a Boss HM2 distortion pedal, just with everything turned up to full basically. It's like this ridiculous sort of like chainsaw style guitar sound. <laughs> Yeah, I noticed this came out in uh, 1990 on Earache Records. I'm sure you must be familiar with Earache, right? Legendary label. Yeah. I think probably one of the earlier Earache releases, definitely, because I think, yeah, they, they started up in the late 80s, I think. I think if you like this sort of music, you go to Earache's Discogs, and it's like, yeah, wall-to-wall like this, isn't it? Yeah, it's just classic album after classic album. Loads of the early Napalm Death albums, and... You beat me to it. Yeah, <laughs> Carcass as well, um, their, all their early stuff. Yeah. And then I think this, this got like, it's got a slightly more melodic edge to it as well, This uh, the Swedish stuff, than a lot of the American stuff did, which I'm quite a fan of. Yeah, I just noticed that. Yeah, this is all like European metal. Yeah. 
You haven't got any American metal in there at all? I think Strapping Young Lads, who's up next? I think they're Canadian, actually. Ah. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, that's true, actually. Most of what I listen to metal-wise is, uh, tends to be from Europe or the UK. Europe or the UK? You've already bought into that Brexit thing, then. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's a sad state of affairs, that. <laughs> let's, let's not go down that path. Let's just, stick to, let's just stick to Satanism and death metal and not go down the dark path of Brexit. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Epic tune of Strapping Young Lad, which was even cut down is... Man, that's way longer than my attention span can last. So yeah, the next track's All Hell, The New Flesh, um, but I put the intro of the album on there as well, just because uh, I think the intro just makes it so much better, to be honest, once it all kicks in. Nasty quick cut, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Strapping Young Lads, um, I got into probably a little bit after sort of people like Children of Bodom. Uh, it's the same friend who showed me Strapping Young Lads, showed me Children of Bodom. So Devin Townsend's the main guy behind Strapping Young Lads, and his discography is massive. He's done like loads of solo albums, as well as, I think, four or five Strapping Young Lad albums, but then he dissolved Strapping Young Lads in 2007 or something. Uh, to focus on sort of solo stuff, um, which I, I do like as well. Yeah, this Strapping Young Lad album, I think City, it's called, has always been like particularly st- stood out to me. I was on a bit of a metal fest, so just doing the washing up before this interview, and I was like, I listened to so much metal from this one. I was like, yeah, do you know, I forgot how much I love it, you know? And again, I think there's an amazing amount of people I talk to in the rave scene that like rave music, but also like either punk or metal, or both. Yeah, there's quite a big, there's quite a big crossover there, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, it seems like yeah, a, lot of, a lot of people either come to it from hip-hop metal like i think particularly with people who do the sort of harder stuff like you know breakcore and uh hardcore and that sort of thing they're all they're pretty much all metalheads or ex-metal heads i think it's all the energy i think that's what i relate is the energy speed tempo yeah don't give a fuck about yeah appearance perhaps you know very anti-establishment and underground yeah definitely it's uh and it's Yeah, it's all kind of got the punk rock vibe to it. So you're back in Cambridge now, but you were up in Leeds for a while. 
I am, yeah, I was in so I was in Leeds for six years I think. Yeah, I moved there in twenty thirteen or fourteen for uni and then hung about there for a bit and then yeah, came back down here uh, pretty much as COVID happened. It kind of worked out for the best. I think Cambridge is a much nicer place to be than Leeds during a pandemic. Yeah, if you're gonna weather the apocalypse you don't wanna be up north. It's bad enough, right? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cambridge is, you know, if there's a bit more space to get out, and uh, it's a bit less of a sort of concrete jungle sort of vibe. This sort of stuff, though, I just, I'm like, I appreciate it, right? And I like this sort of like da 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 sort of thrashy sound, you know. But just, oh, my attention span. I mean, you know, I like, I like the really brief sort of stuff. Two minutes, someone else. Two minutes, someone else. That's my, that's very, very much where I'm at. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've kind of always, I've always been quite a big fan of the the longer tracks. Yeah, that's something that's kind of carried through into my music. I think my average track length these days is sort of like seven or eight minutes. So do you sit down with a cup of tea to listen to music? Are you a proper sit down, listen to it, or do you listen to it while you're doing the hoovering? So recently of going out for walks is pretty much the only thing we're allowed to do at the moment. So I've been making a point of I'll choose an album to listen to on my walk each day and uh, just sort of walk around until I've finished that album, basically. That's I think that's where I get the bulk of my listening done. Yeah, sometimes I'll sort of sit down to actively listen to an album as well. Right. And yeah, I've, I'm lucky enough to be able to listen to music at work as well, so that's I get a lot of stuff listened to then. If you don't mind me asking, what do you do for work? Uh, I work for NHS Digital, uh, doing ID verification for them. Hmm. So that's alright, I've been there for a couple of years now. An IT desk job. Yeah, pretty much. Um, Brilliant. Same as self. Same as self, man. I think it's the, it's the best. It's the best to be able to sit there and just like do work and listen to music. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Yeah, so moving into something a bit different now, this is uh, Metric Acid by MDS. So Paul Jones, uh, MDS, is one of the founders of the Life for Land crew, who up until a couple of years ago lived in Cambridge. I'm quite lucky to know him quite well. He taught me a lot of what I know production-wise. And yeah, this, he's written so much good music, he's like an incredibly talented guy, but this, this track's always particularly stood out to me. What is it you like about this one? Again, it's got the sort of more melodic elements, but um, it's also this, this Amen particularly stood out to me. 
Um, when I first heard it, because I'd not really heard an Amen that sounded like this, I think it's sampled from, it's originally sampled from a track called First Contacts by Intense, uh, which came out in 96. He's sort of repurposed it really well for this track. Um, but then it's also got just, I think this track is sort of just the progression that it goes through. It's like the whole track builds up to the last sort of 30 seconds or so. And then it's, there's like a fantastic like release of tension to, just towards the end. Um, yeah, and I think he just, he just sort of really, really nails the sort of whole form and structure of it in this one. So Life for Land Crew, were they putting on gigs with their sound system? I've heard the name, I'm not too familiar with them though. So they, they were very active in Cambridge, I guess I mean, it would have been sort of, well, all, all throughout the sort of 2000s, basically. It was like, I think they they sort of started quieting down a bit, I guess around 2011, 12. But yeah, they, they put on a lot of parties around here. Um, and uh, yeah, the next track by Ghost is another Life for Land track as well. And yeah, it was the, this is sort of some of the first first rave music I got into um, after you know. So I went from being a metalhead to listening to loads of this sort of thing, and then kind of got into more traditional jungle a bit later on. This is a bit IDM-ish, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, sort of. Yeah, got all the acid noises and. Um, Intricacy. Yeah, and it's it's a lot more sort of synth and melody based than a lot of jungle. Obviously, we're friends on Facebook, and one of the things I see a lot of the times, and what really made me think, oh yeah, I should definitely talk to that guy about music, is you post God knows how much music every day to Facebook, but <laughs> you were just constantly yeah. posting to Facebook. Brilliant, like, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I think, especially at the moment, being, you know, being stuck in, in, in the house for most of the time. I mean, the thing is, if you haven't got gigs or anything like that, uh, and you know, s certain things are a bit crap and whatever. Mm -mm. You've always got music, and you know, from from very young, you know, you get into music, and then when you realise like you know, your passion for life is music. Yeah. Doesn't matter what's going on, you can always listen to some decent music and lift your spirit a bit, like you know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, I just find myself yeah listening through stuff while I'm sat at home. It always brings you back to a certain time or invokes certain emotions 
where you know you maybe heard something at a certain time like i said right from the start with the black sabbath yeah. reminded you of when you went to see motorhead when you yeah played, like, definitely um yeah kind of all, all of these tracks i picked like none of them are relatively recent discoveries because i think i think when you're picking we've gone for 15 tracks i think to sort of sum up your whole sort of musical journey i think you need to be sure that they're tracks that will stand the test of time i think that's that's always something that's really important so it's why i've tended to i've mostly chosen stuff that has come out like at least five or more years ago um so yeah this one's uh, refractalized by ghost uh, it's another life for lamb track this is i think this is one of the first uh, first life for lamb tunes that i heard um so ghost is also based in Cambridge and uh, I was I remember I was round at a friend's house one evening Ghost lived like in the same sort of block of houses like a, you know a few doors down um, and my mate put I think it was this uh, this album on uh, the album's called Kaleidoscope and he put this album on and I just like never heard anything like it before it just like completely blew my mind with like just the intricate drums and melodies that sort of work in and out of it and then he was like oh yeah he lives just uh, just up the up the road do you want me to go and grab your cd <laughs> and yeah sort of really got into uh, sort of life for land and all of that lot from then basically so were you listening to this before you were listening to jungle or were you listening to jungle first yeah no i got into this stuff a bit uh, a bit earlier than jungle yeah i sort of was listening to this sort of thing and got into some of the darker heavier drum and bass like tech itch and lime wax and people like that and it's also from there where i came to know about the jungle syndicate crew who i'm with now um i didn't sort of get to know that those guys until a bit more recently um, but yeah, like they, they were push, they've been pushing all of this sort of music for quite a while now. Yeah, they do a good spread of Jungle, Jungle Syndicate. Like some of the more, I would call it breakcore, but you know, some of the harder core Jungle stuff. Yeah. And some of the more interesting sounds, as well as, as well as some of the more, what I would call atmospheric or beard strokey Jungle as well, you know? Yeah, sort of more, yeah, there's, there's a good mix of, yeah, the more traditional stuff and, uh, yeah, definitely some of the more experimental and hardcore stuff yeah like i said i did an interview with colin uh, a couple of years back uh, he runs jungle syndicate for those that don't know uh, so that you can find that on the soundcloud there as well if anyone wants to find that out but uh, yeah jungle syndicate i mean they're very big in a game i mean they're probably one of the top names certainly in the uk jungle scene right yeah i think that's fair to say um i've known them for I think I've been with them for maybe six years now, maybe five years. Um, but yeah, they've they've all been doing it. So our, our last event that we did in 2020 was the 12, 12 years uh, birthday party. Oh yeah, hang on, so it was 11. We did the 11th birthday party last year, which we managed to get in just before lockdown, um, which I'm really, really glad we managed to pull that off. And then, yeah, we did a live stream for 12 years a few weeks ago. I thought what was cool with the live stream was the fact you did the multi-room idea as well. Actually have several streams going, just as you would have in a club, you know? Yeah, we wanted to try and, I guess, try and keep it as close as possible to the club, to the sort of, yeah, the club experience as well, as close as you can. 
being sat in your room. <laughs> yeah. As close to the club experience as you can, sit at home in your pants, drinking Buckfast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Big, big names as well in that as well, so it's fair play pulling that off, like, you know? Yeah, it's, it was good fun. Yeah, we um, yeah kind of had to yeah try and pull a few strings to get some people involved. Um, uh, went quite well, and yeah, glad we managed to pull that off. But hopefully, we'll be able to do a real life event at some point this year when things are back to normal. Yeah. Yeah, fingers crossed. So yeah, this track, Nedjian's Fail by Wisp, which is, I guess, quite a similar vibe to the Ghost one. I think it's a bit older. 2005? Yeah, that, I think I, I discovered this a bit more recently than Ghost and MDS and people like that. This whole album, I can't remember what the album's called now. It's kind of a sort of concept album. Yeah, it's just a, it's a brilliant listen from start to finish, but this, this track's always particularly stood out because it kind of the whole track kind of feels like one long build up which leads into the rest of the album but yeah just like the melodic synths and his production's fantastic as well yeah I remember I'd, I'd never heard of Wiz before um, but heard him oh, a good few years back when I was going through the Bang Face lineup he played Bang Face 2018 2019 something like that man it's just amazing amazing artist mm. Yeah, I, I, could, I couldn't make it that. I think I was, I was only there for one night that year, I think, um, which annoyingly wasn't the night Wisp was on. Um, so I've, I never got to see him live, which is a bit gutting. 2017, there we go. Okay, yeah, I don't know if I was even there that year. Yeah. But yeah, no, he's, uh, he's someone I'd, I'd like to see live at some point, definitely. I love about this sort of music IDM breakcore whatever you want to call it is just the amount of complexity that goes into certain things like you know you hear that kick drum and you hear it four times and that's it you know yeah definitely there's uh yeah just all, all all the tiny little tiny little details that you nobody would notice unless you actually started getting a pen and paper out you know like this sound here you know this you know yeah first time you've heard that in the track yeah, that's it, and then like it, you'll quite often hear a noise and then just not hear it again for the rest of the tune. Yeah, I guess sort of the drum programming on this one's it's quite a similar style to the Ghost one that we just listened to. And yeah, just sort of, I love the way everything's sort of really stretched and like pushed to its limit, basically. I'm thinking you're on Jungle Train as well, or am I misremembering that? I am, yeah. So I've been doing that with uh, Holly Antwax for, I think we just did our third birthday show a few weeks back. Yeah, it's gone gone really quickly. 
Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I've yeah, known Holly for a few years now. Of course, you'd know Holly from Leeds, right? Yeah, it's a bit of a shame. Now, now down in Cambridge, we can't do the show in person anymore. But um, yeah, we just sort of... Uh, yeah, well, I'll, I'll do my bit from Cambridge and then hand over to her in Leeds. But um, yeah, before, we'd always um, just do the show together. Yeah. I have this weird magic mirror called Facebook. And I know, I feel like I know all these people in the UK. And I do know a hell of a lot of people in the UK. <laughs> and all these people in the UK. But I, unless I go to Bang Face Weekender, that's like the one crack in the window where I meet everyone I know from Facebook. Yeah, you can actually meet them all. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I know you, I know you, I know you, I know you, I know you. Right, bye, see you next year. Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny, isn't it? Yeah, there's, there's loads of people like that here. I've sort of only only met once or twice but feel like I know them quite well <laughs> exactly yeah I've got a guest mix from Holly she did a guest mix for us it's going to come out in a week's time as well so uh, oh okay cool diamond stuff diamond stuff Looking yeah no she's she's really good she's uh yeah when I I started the Jungle Train show um yeah asked if she wanted to get involved because she's one of the DJs in Leeds who not only plays the sort of style of music that I was wanting but also is you know, pretty reliable and like is on it. Like we we do the show every two weeks, and she's really on it. Oh, where are we now, man? Where's this? Um, so we're going back to 1995 now. This is a track called "Path Agent" by Luger. I don't think has ever really released anything else. He hasn't. Are you heard his discogs? And it's like this one track, and that's it. Yeah. So this track was engineered by one of the guys from Intense, who are a sort of old school jungle hardcore production group. Um, they yeah, they did a lot of stuff in the sort of early and mid nineties. It sounds this you know similar sort of vibe to this, like kind of big spacey pads and like quite. Uh, quite science fiction influenced. The reason I chose this track is because a obviously it's a great track, but also this is one of the first uh, first jungle records I ever bought, and sort of started off a now quite ridiculous collection of records. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I'm not, I can't remember where I first heard it. I think I might have just come across it on on YouTube randomly one day. Yeah, a lot of the jungle I'd listened to up to that point was, uh, you know, people like Remark, um, Busy B, that sort of thing. So more, I guess, sort of more upfront, just sort of, yeah, straight up, like, choppage and, you know, sort of Rude Boy and Raga samples, which I'm, I'm still quite into. But, um, yeah, this is this is sort of the, yeah. some of the first more atmospheric jungle that I discovered, which has gone on to... Bit of massive influence on my own, my own music.
I quite like it though. In some respects, I quite like it as a DJ. You know, if you DJ, you're mixing jungle. You know that you can go from this to the tune. It's very similar to, and then everyone be like, oh wow, where, where was the mix? It was so seamless. You know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's kind of interesting as well. I think there's, I think if you do that sort of thing now, like people call you out on it, which I think is kind of fair enough because like. <laughs> Totally. You know, when it comes to hunting for samples, when you've got when 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 you've got the internet at your disposal, there's no excuse for being being lazy with your sample hunting. Like you've literally got all of like recorded history at your fingertips. Mm. Like there's no excuse for being lazy with that sort of thing. So I think I think if you do that sort of thing these days, you get you get a bit more judged than perhaps you would have back then. I say that. I mean, I wasn't wasn't around back then, so <laughs> maybe I'm wrong. Everything changes, doesn't it, over the years? Everything changes. Like, I mean, I have I have I have a difficulty with it in some respects. In that, I listen to what what really gets me is when I hear people making old school, but what they've done is they've just taken some old school literally just chopped it up a little bit added a kick or whatever gone hey look here's my tune it's like you've just 90 percent ripped off someone else yeah it's it's yeah it's uh you know it's a bootleg at that point isn't it it's, it's not it's not a new tune <laughs> but then but then i listen to something like i like gabber as well right like and they were quite bad at this or certainly the jungle the hardcore stuff or the you know, breakbeat hardcore all of it was ripped from something else originally you know it's like, so it's like so I could be I could be playing something and someone who's like Dolly Parton goes, yeah, but you just ripped that vocal off Dolly Parton. That's not original. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's yeah. I don't know. It's such a massive, uh, such a massive topic. Yeah, black hole. <laughs> I think for me, it's yeah. It's very important to try and you know if you're going to sample something, you've got to put your own twist on it in some way. Do you ever listen to much footwork? Uh, yeah, bits and bobs, bits and bobs a bit. I've uh, not explored too deep into it, but um, yeah, I do. I do quite like some of it. What I quite like is the idea of you know, to footwork jungle. Yeah, and I take a lot of the old jungle, but actually remake it in a, in a footwork style. And yeah, there's quite a cool, yeah, sort of crossover that's been happening recently between those two. Like people like um, Sherelle, uh, really pushing that sound. Oh man, Sherelle. Yeah, I'm quite into it. Like, I've, I don't actively listen to it that often, but uh, yeah, when there's been times when I've heard people playing it out at events and that sort of thing, it's, it goes down really well. Yeah, big time. You're a fan of Sherelle? Yeah, I quite like her, yeah. Yeah, she's massive, man. I've not managed to see her live, I don't think. But uh, yeah, I've caught, caught a lot of the mixes she puts online and does on, on radio and that sort of thing. And yeah. I'm going to sound like a broken record saying the same word over and over again, but she was at Bangface 2020. Yeah. <laughs> she played a set at Bangface 2020. It's online now as well. You need to go and check it out. Oh my God. That was just fucking unreal. Yeah. I was listening to that the other day. It's great, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah, we moved into Champa B Filter Demon now. There's a few reasons I picked this one. First of all, it's one of my favourite tracks on Amen Swiss Movement, which is Dr. Rum's label. And yeah, so I, I think that so along with Life for Land, Amen, so it's like some of the first sort of 
jungly breakcore stuff that I got into. Ended up doing an EP4 with uh, Jack Biochem a few years ago. Um, and yeah, sort of got to know yeah the Amen to the Jungle Syndicate lot really well um, over the years. Um, but yeah, I chose this song in particular as well because it was one of my first introductions to, I guess, like the sort of scientific wax style of Jungle, which is kind of what we'll go into a bit deeper over the next few tunes. Yeah, it's like the first time I've heard sort of super, like, it's really quite sort of dark and moody. Um, and the first time I've heard edits like that, especially with sort of the, all the little filters and that sort of thing. I really like the changes in this as well. I like the way you've got two different styles of drumming. As you can hear, you know, it switches from one style to the other style and back again. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's really good, yeah. Um, this track got me really into... I got digging a bit more and got into people like Equinox, uh, Dub One, yeah, Nebula, and Paradox, and, uh, yeah, just sort of really started going down that, that whole rabbit hole. See, what's interesting was when I was talking earlier about Black Sabbath and the way they would have changes in their tracks, you know, that, that whole idea of energy changing mm-hmm. uh, and this this jungle track specifically, I was thinking, I don't know if it's just me, but to me it seems in, in terms of song pattern, it's quite similar. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, there's definitely like, it goes from sort of being really high energy to obviously like the, the breaks. So yeah, there's like quite ambient breaks in the middle. Chill out. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's something that I've always quite liked with my jungle. Like obviously, it's, yeah, sort of more more atmospheric, and there'll be sort of yeah, sort of rin- rinse out sections, and then there'll be more ambient sections. And yeah, I think that that contrast has always been something that I've really liked. And of course, Amento, we just skipped over that a little bit, but again, I'd say they were obviously one of the top crews again for Jungle in the UK, right? Yeah, totally. Um, that on that label is Diamond. Yeah, Ali, who runs it. I think the UK Jungle scene owes well, a sort of more underground, sort of darker side of Jungle owes a fair bit to him, to be honest. Give Ali a shout out. And you produce yourself as well. You've got a release out recently on Jungle Syndicate yourself. I've been been producing for, well, I think I've, I've been releasing Jungle for about seven years now. Maybe not quite that long. And it's something I've, I guess, something I've seriously been doing for maybe five years now. And yeah, I did. So I did an EP on Jungle Syndicate a few years ago with uh, Cypher, which is sort of when I got to know all of those guys. And then I've got another release coming up with them, hopefully this year at some point. Um, but that's going to be on a vinyl, so who knows how long that'll take. Thank you. 
that's always the benchmark isn't it for a producer if you're producing something it could come out on any platform but if it comes out on vinyl it's like there you go product in your hand right yeah i'm trying yeah i'm sort of trying to be a bit more selective about what labels and what formats i release on these days i think the problem with a lot of digital only music is like you can have a really great tune but if it's only come out digitally it kind of ends up getting lost like too disposable yeah that's it there's loads of like cool drum and bass tracks from like the 2000s that are pretty much impossible to get hold of now just because like the net labels you know not not operational anymore probably vinyl is your girlfriend might sell it when she's pissed off with you you know <laughs> it's always a risk <laughs> why are you going to the post office again oh don't worry i'm just just dropping some things off <laughs> <laughs> but I think if something gets pressed to vinyl, it, it means whoever's pressing it has faith that it'll, it'll stand the test of time a bit, um, which I think is important. Yeah. Yeah, I think I got I was quite lucky with my first vinyl release. It was um, a remix of The Core by FBD Project, which is mm. quite a big sort of hardcore jungle sort of track from 92 or 93. Golden era. There was like a remix competition that I did actually after the comp- after the deadline for the competition had finished. But I, uh, I sent it to the guy anyway, just sort of to be like, do you mind if I give this out as a free download or whatever? And he was like, I'll actually hang on to that because I'll put it on the vinyl. So that's cool. Oh, nice one. Fair play, man. Fair play. So yeah, that Champa B tune's just finished out, but I mean, yeah, that took us on quite a journey over seven minutes. Yeah, and then, yeah, this one now, uh, Hard Meditation by Equinox, carries on along a kind of similar theme. This is, I guess, a bit more cool drum funk, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of the theme for the next couple of tracks. Do love drum funk. It's good style of music, isn't it? Yeah, and... I mean, to be honest, I could have chosen any of, like, Equinox has just done so many good tunes. Like, I think for me, he's probably the most important drum and bass artist of, like, the last sort of 15, 20 years. And yeah, he, he runs the Cywax label, which is probably my favourite drum and bass label. But yeah, I thought I'd go for this song because it's a bit different. Uh, there's, you know, he's done loads of Wicked Amen tracks, but I thought I'd try and switch it up a little bit after the uh, Champa Bay one just then. I was having a nudgy around uh, looking at Cywax because obviously you know it's a very big name uh, in jungle but uh, it seems to be a bit quiet the last couple of years they've been releasing bits and bobs yeah um, there was like two or three years where he didn't really release anything but it seems to have picked up a bit recently it's, kind of, it's one of those things though like because it, it all tends to sell out quite quickly 
So once, you know, there'll, there'll be like a big hype for a little while when it first comes out. And then, yeah, he'll go quiet for a bit and then come out with the next release six months later or whatever. I'd imagine maybe some of that's partially to do with artistic flow, I would guess. Some people will just be like, oh, I need to put something out, I need to put something out and put out any old crap. But some people are like, no, I'm doing it for the art. If he's not ready, I'm not doing it. I totally like spoken to Equinox about this like a few times and yeah, he's very much about sort of yeah, having the high standards and like not following trends and that sort of thing. And yeah, like it's it's never from what I gather it's never done. Yeah because he thinks it's something that people will like. It's done purely because it's yeah. what he wants, what he wants to push, uh, which uh, I've, I've got a lot of respect for. So this track was actually it's a relatively recent one it's released in 2015 this one on uh, Rumbleton's label Stand Firm another reason I went for this one is because this track and the one on the other side of it is probably my most played record by Equinox which is saying quite a bit I've got most of what he's released and I've played pretty much all of them to death but yeah like I say there's loads of tracks by him I could have chosen to be honest this one was what I was feeling when I wrote the list I was doing a bit of research again. Uh, see that he released in started out releasing in 1993 on Brain Records, again another legendary label. 93, man, that's a long time ago. Yeah, with uh, with Busy B. Yeah, I was chatting to him about this. Uh, it was, I think he said it was like 15 or 16 when that first release on Brain Records came out. Can you imagine being 16 and releasing on Brain? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, he's he's been. You know, he's been doing this for a lot longer than most people. I also noticed as well he's been releasing on Subtle Audio and Bassbin, two Irish labels. There we go, big labels. Yeah, the, yeah, I wanted to uh, yeah chat about them a little bit there. For me, both very important, particularly Subtle Audio. Um, Still big in the game, yeah. Yeah, I think... Uh, Code is doing a good job over there. He's out in the West or somewhere, I think, Galway or... Limerick or something on the far, the far, the other other side of the island. Yeah, I know. Codes his sort of vision of uh, drum and bass is quite unique, and I think you can you can really hear that on the music that he puts out on Subtle Audio. It's like such a big variety of stuff. Yeah, Bassbin did a gig oh, a couple of years back, a bit of a reunion type of thing. But yeah, I think um, okay. they're, they're not in the game anymore. But again, you can imagine you can imagine what it's like with a population of five million and. You know, when you're a junglist in Ireland, you know pretty much every other junglist, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so labels like that, you know, a lot of pride to go to, to call them out and say, you know, good Irish exports. Yeah, yeah. Especially on the vinyl as well, you know? Yeah, totally. Like, bass bin and subtle audio, yeah, both, uh, both sort of quite important labels to me as well. Like, I've got quite a fair chunk of my record collection as, yeah, bass bin and subtle audio. Yeah, I think that they're both just great for pushing such a wide range of music like they've got obviously the sort of amen smashers but then yeah loads of deeper stuff as well so your tracklist you've got equinox and you've got paradox two artists both ending with ox can you think of any other jungle artists who end in ox yeah <laughs> Not off the top of my head, but there prob- probably are. Because like if you come up with a name, 
the ending OX, you'd instantly get some kudos, right? Wouldn't you? Maybe, yeah. I mean, like maybe you should re- maybe you should rebrand, start doing some drum funk, and call yourself Pixelox. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it seems to be uh, seems to be a theme, doesn't it? Pixelox, man, you you kill it. <laughs> So when you're DJing, I guess obviously you're on vinyl, no digital, no laptop, no CDJ, no? Always vinyl? Not always. Um, It depends where I'm playing, to be honest, because like... Depends how sketchy the club is, right? Yeah, well, that's... (laughs) I I like playing my own stuff when I can as well, which can't be asked to get my own stuff cut to dub unless it's something that's never going to come out. But yeah, quite often it's, uh, it's vinyls. I'm part of the uh, West Yorkshire Jungle Collective up in Leeds, and that's like a all vinyl night that we do. We do that at the Albrook bus station, and yeah, that's been going for three years now. Um, so I, I do that with Holly and then people like uh, Parody, Sinister Tech, and yeah, the venue there are really cool. It's the people who run it are all sort of jungle drum and bass heads, so they they basically just like trust us to get on with it and let us you know let us dig as deep as we want like there's no no pressure from them to go for a more sort of commercial sound 
I find I find clubs the world over, no matter where you are, as long as the bar is taking money and the venue ain't getting wrecked. Yeah, <laughs> then they're happy. Couldn't <laughs> care less, like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, the old Red Bus Station guys in, in Leeds are brilliant. Yeah, they've been a really good space for us to get more experience playing playing out. I guess just sort of helped us really push push this sort of music in Leeds, which there wasn't. There's always been a bit of a scene for it, but I think the more sort of underground jungle stuff has quite really picked up there in the last four or five years. I mean, I guess it's picked it's picked up everywhere really. Like when I when I first moved to Leeds, there was not really many nights pushing that sort of sound, but now it's like there'll be something pretty much every weekend for it. Or well, obviously pre pre COVID. <laughs> well, pre COVID, yeah. Or as I like to say, back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> so I was into Jungle since 92, and I always look talking about back in the day, like it's some sort of, you know, elitist thing. But I think now we'd need to just rebrand the phrase back in the day to mean before COVID. Let's just level the playing field. We'll all just yeah. start moving before COVID. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's pre-2019. Pre <laughs> But yeah, man, back in the day, oh man, Jungle was so much better than it is today, I tell you. You, you youngsters just don't know what you missed. <laughs> <laughs> I love the phrase, you know the phrase middle-aged junglist? I mean, like, you know. There's, uh, I'm not not going to go into too much, but yeah, there's, uh, I think there's definitely a bit of a tendency for cer- certain people to, uh, yeah, I guess sort of, jump in and say say stuff's not as good as it was back in the day when in fact they've just clearly not not listened to anything that's come out in the last 10 years yeah because there's i think there's you know there's loads of good music coming out at the moment um like there's you know there's no shortage of stuff that's absolutely and bit that's been written to sound like it was made in you know 94 95 but then there's also stuff you know really modern and sort of futuristic sounding stuff like this big time yeah lots of stuff out there people out there trying to cut cut the, cut the new edge on uh what's what, what sounds are out there like yeah um, yes definitely definitely something on this yeah no it's, it's i think it's uh, it's really good <laughs> And uh, yeah, obviously you've got nights like uh, Rupture, and uh, and yeah, I guess Jungle Syndicate as well, sort of pushing that more sort of deeper sound. Yeah, Rupture, it's a bit too beer strokey for my liking. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> uh, I like the more dirty end, like Amen Tal and stuff like that, you know. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. I've uh, yeah, I've been to a handful of Rupture nights, um, and I'm a that's in London, right? Yeah, yeah, of course, the And yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan. Um, I think, I think that what they're doing is quite important. Um, can we just pause for a second? I'm just going to get my other bit. Sure, yeah. You've picked a really quiet part of the track. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, what's going on? So this one's, uh, they chose to perplex by Paradox. Yeah, Paradox, obviously another another big, big drum funk producer. He's been about for years and years. Um, I think, yeah, like you've, like you've put in the notes, um, he formed uh, 
don't, don't, no, 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 no. Don't say from the notes. We have to pretend like we know this stuff. Just like, of course we know, you know. 2002 reinforced records, right? I mean, everyone knows that, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he started Mix Race in 1990 uh, with DJ Tracks, which, yeah, was obviously quite quite a different sound to this. It was more sort of hardcore, jungly sort of stuff. And yeah, he went on to do loads of um, loads of records that are a bit more like this throughout the 2000s and through to today. Yeah. Yeah, this, this one's always particularly stood out to me. Because I think I heard this at around a similar time as I heard the Nebula tune we just listened to. And yeah, it's just like the the way the drums are processed and just like, it's just that constant relentless beat with like the edits on it aren't like too mental, like it's quite linear the way that it the way that it runs but he still manages to keep it interesting for the whole time despite there's not that many elements to it but it still manages to keep your attention the whole time which is i think there's something that he's really good at like a lot of his tunes will maybe have sort of seven or eight sounds in them and the whole thing's just built from that basically Yeah, so what's that sort of sound? It's like a cymbal, but he's really dragged it out as a as a as a signature note. Yeah, yeah, his I think his um yeah his drum processing like there's there's not many people who do it as well as him. I don't know if you've ever seen him do his live show as well. That's uh, uh that's it's uh, it's really quite something to watch. He so when he does a live performance, he does it all uh, off of his uh, Amiga computer. Oh really? Wow, that is a liability, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he's yeah he's got like a, he's got like his Akai sampler and his Amiga, and he's got it all plugged into a mixing desk. He's got a couple of synths and stuff. Wow. Um, and does it all live on his uh, on the tracker in, in his Amiga. That's just asking for a guru meditation, isn't it? It's, it's ridiculous, man. Like, I, I, was, I got to, I got to watch a bit of it from uh, from on the stage at, uh, at our last Jungle Syndicate event in Bristol, and just watching him watching him do it all. It's, it's really something else. <laughs> There's another artist I don't know if you know him called Hexy Desi, who plays live with Amigas, and he did a recent did a set to to Amigas. Man, that again is just that's more stressful than you need in your life, isn't it? Yeah, I, I know of him. Can you imagine going through customs with it, like with, a, with an Amiga or two Amigas? And the customs was going, What the hell is this you're bringing through? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd have thought it would be, be difficult enough with one. <laughs> it's a computer from 30 years ago that I used to make music. I was like, Ah, okay. I know. <laughs> I was thinking this. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, yeah. Yeah, no, that'd be, a, that'd be a, a weird one to explain to them searching your bag, wouldn't it? Done, yeah, done. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's a, it's a funny one when you when you book him. Because, you know, most most, 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 D, most DJs, when you book them, they're just like, cool, you got CDJ 2000s, you're like, yeah. And they're like, cool, I'll bring my USB sticks, it's fine. But like, yeah, for him, it's like, a very specific tech rider with like and he, he'll want a specific sort of mixing desk and specific synths and that sort of thing so he obviously can only carry i think he lives in lithuania or somewhere like that and obviously he's pretty he's pretty limited with what he can carry so you have to 
get a lot of it for him, and it's like, yeah, getting getting that all. It's like it's uh, a bit of a mission, but it's it's totally worth it to watch that live show. Man, that that must be something else. Because I'd say a lot of that then must be kind of unique when you when you've got all the bits and pieces there. You know, that's that's not going to set. That's going to be that's going to be one-off set, right? Yeah, totally. Like, yeah, I've, I've seen him a handful of times, and like, yeah, there's it's always like sort of does like different little embellishments and stuff that you can do with the mixing desk. Yeah, it's definitely worth watching if you ever get a chance to. So you must have booked him before then, yeah? For Jungle Syndicate or something? Uh, yeah, he's he's played he's played at Jungle Syndicate a handful of times. Um, yeah, we had him at the last event, and we've had him at Boomtown. Oh, cool. I didn't realise you guys were when you did Boomtown, one of the scrapyard. We don't anymore. That was that was uh, no. We did the sewage works until a couple of years ago. Gotcha. Yeah, so moving into something quite different now. This is Three Sided Shape by Scuba. I think I got into this probably 2011, 2012. It's like some of the, from this I got into quite a lot of um, sort of dubstep and grime and that sort of thing. Mm. And this, this is quite a big influence on the label that I've been doing recently with uh, Hyson, which is a sort of a label that we've done for sort of down tempo jungle bass music. Um, What's that label called then? Uh, it's called Seventh Wave. Yeah. And yeah, we just put out our first record, and second one's gone off to be mastered. Oh, fair play. Are you putting out digital? Are you putting out vinyl? Uh, both. Yeah, that's a big jump. Or do you feel like you know enough people that you can like get a lot of mentoring off them? It's. Uh, so Ahmet, who I do the label with, he's uh, he also runs. I don't know if you know Panther Print Records. No. Nope. Okay, it's. Uh, well, I know Ahmet. He's he makes some wicked tunes, doesn't he? Yeah, it's uh, not not Ahmet as in uh, Metalheads Ahmet. No, <laughs> no, he he actually uh, changed his name on Facebook because people kept thinking that he was Metalheads Ahmet. <laughs> Kept getting people adding him and messaging him, being like, oh yeah, your tunes on Metalheads are so great. <laughs> no, so he, he's up in Leeds. Um, and yeah, that's something like we, it's, it ha- it's quite a recent thing actually. We, we both just happened to have been writing some sort of like 130, 140 BPM jungle over lockdown last year. And we're both like, we were sending some tracks back and forth and we were just like, fuck it, why don't we start a label? And it's just kind of got got rolling from there, and it, we've had a really good response to it. So that's uh, that's been cool. Yeah, I like the Dan Tempo Jungle as well. I think there's a lot to explore in that. Maybe I just haven't heard a lot of it, but there's definitely a lot of ideas there. Yeah, it's it's kind of uh, yeah, it's getting quite popular at the moment, and I think it's uh... it's not quite breaks or you know breakbeat techno. No, but I think the no, I think the break like the way the drums work is quite different to in sort of more traditional jungle like i think if you try and do the same sort of edits that you do as a normal jungle they don't they don't work quite as well i think it's you can sort of just let the brakes roll and like breathe a little bit more when you're at lower tempos if only this reminds me a bit and don't kill me for saying it but it kind of reminds me of chemical brothers 
Yeah, I've never listened to a huge amount of Chemical Brothers, actually. Not much beyond... I think they're overlooked. Mm. Yeah, I've never listened to much sort of beyond, like, you know, their, their radio bangers, basically. I mean, you should go and dig, dig them out, too. Go and dig them out. Cause, yeah, I will do. I think, I think it's easy with a lot of mainstream music that's very popular. Just go, oh, that's mainstream. I'm not really going to dig into it. But yeah, man, you dig into some of their albums, you'd be hooked. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I know, because I think, yeah, this this got me into uh, people like Marla and, uh, you know, sort of Digital Mystics. And yeah, a lot of that sort of deeper dubstep bass music or whatever you want to call it which is yeah kind of i've taken quite a lot of yeah influence from that on this label that we're that we're doing for the down tempo jungle good stuff well, good luck with that mate good luck with that yeah cheers and now we're into the last track now yeah, last track. Last track, can you believe it already? Yeah, I know, it's gone quick, hasn't it? <laughs> so this one's My Kingdom by Future Sound of London. Yeah, it, it would have been wrong to do something like this and not get a track from Future Sound of London in. I think I, I got into them around the same time I was listening to Life for Land and that sort of thing. I think what's interesting with Future Sound as well is back in their day, they were doing something quite different from what everyone else was doing. They were a bit left field. And maybe even now people would have overlooked them. And when you look back, you look at the, some of the bigger names, and again, you just overlook FSOL. Um, but I think, yeah, genius guys, like you know. Yeah, definitely. Like when when I first heard it, and I could, I still still now think the fact that they managed to make something so organic sounding, pretty much all out of samples. Like you know, you would you wouldn't have guessed that most of the sounds in this are taken from other places and stitched together. <laughs> Just like the way it's sort of so so coherent and flows so well. And when I was, when I was digging it up as well, I didn't realise. I mean, obviously, they started in 1991, but they're still making albums. They made an album every other year or thereabouts. So it's still very, uh, very much in the game. It's good to see. I need, I need to go and dig that up as well. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're, they're, they're very prolific. Yeah, they've, they've released under loads of different names as well over the years. The first three albums are sort of the ones that have really stuck out to me. What is it, Accelerator? This one's, this album's Dead Cities, and then Lifeform as well. Like those, those three to me are sort of. I still listen to them regularly. I mean, I like the track "We Are Explosive," which again, 1993. People say, "Oh, Atari Teenage Riot, they were the pioneers of breakcore." And I'm not saying FSOLR either, but "We Are Explosive" is quite a heavy and sharp track. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very uh, it's very abrasive, isn't it? Yeah. Just like the the percussion and like balls to the wall. Yeah, just <laughs> the way the like all of all of the sounds it uses are like quite intense, aren't they? As well, doing the research, fucking hell, they're from Manchester. Are oh, they? I I knew they were, I knew they were UK based. I didn't know they're Manchester. Though. That's cool. They're from Manchester. How can you call yourself Future Sound of London if you're from Manchester? <laughs> Yeah, I didn't know that. I, I think I just always assumed they were from London. <laughs> yeah. London, yeah, like I did. All my life has been a lie. They're from Manchester. <laughs> yeah, no, I thought I, I had to get a track in by them to sort of round round off this uh, this musical journey that we've just been on.
we're coming to the end of the sort of session, as it were. What can I say? You got any shout outs or any, anything you want to speak about before we leave? Obviously, shout out Jungle Syndicate crew, A Mental, Bamet, Seventh Wave. Uh, yeah, I'll leave it at that, I think. Nice one, man. Nice one. Well, thank you for taking the time to talk to me. All uh, right, yeah, thanks a lot for having me, man. It's been great. All right, cheers, man. See you later. Nice one, man. Bye bye.